All right, howlers, let's get howling. Before we get started, I know, surprise, it's me. It's Aaron. <laughs> we would like to make a statement about Black Lives Matter and our support for Black Lives Matter. On this podcast, we often talk about space racists. Fuck space racists. And how much they suck. Well, it should be no surprise to hear then that we think Earth racists suck too. Fuck Earth racists. (laughs) Pulls up butts for the Earth races. (laughs) We are inspired by the peaceful protests taking place across our country and the world in response to the police killings of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and too many others. We unequivocally stand in support of these protests and urge our listeners to get involved in whatever way they can to help dismantle white supremacy and systemic racism in our country. If you are a protester, go protest. If you want to give money to organizers or to bail funds, do that. Get a plan together for making regular donations. Don't just make this a one-time movement of the crowd thing. If you're having a hard time understanding what's going on or why this is so important, especially right now, educate yourself and start analyzing your own privilege. Aaron and I both understand we are not leaders of this conversation. We are only here right now encouraging you to get involved however you can. As we know from reading this great series we all love, a revolution does not occur in a day or even a year. This fight is going to take sustained effort and continuous action on the part of everyone we can find including you and us. Black Lives Matter. And uh, if you do want a link to resources or where you can find trusted resources for donations or even for reading, uh, we're going to put a link in our episode description, which you can find wherever you listen to the podcast. Thanks, Howlers. Fuck racists. Let's get back to howling. But first, a couple quick warnings. First warning, this podcast contains... Adult content. Don't buy a pixie. Second warning. This podcast contains spoilers for the entire Red Rising saga. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy. Email us, howlerpod at gmail.com. Visit us on our website, howlerpod.com, and rate and review us. Five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, we will walk up to you and punch you right in the face, even though you've never been punched in the face before because you're pixie blue who has only ever been hooked up to computers. <laughs> and now, Howler Pod. Oh! Give me the badge and I'll carve you a hole back to Mars, boy. I swear it on my life. Boy? You're half my age. Shall I call you Lord Boy or will you be offended? Hello, Howlers. Welcome to HowlerPod. Oh my god. <laughs> We're back. Hey guys. <laughs> it's the one and only podcast for all things Red Rising, where every episode we dive deep to break down, celebrate, and discuss all aspects of the fantastic Red Rising saga by Howler number one, Pierce Brown. Yes, sir. I am your host, Ben Reinert. I am joined today, as always, by the amazing Aaron Harris. Low Howlers. We're not doing rereads anymore. It's character study time, baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who will enter the passage tonight? The passage of our in-depth scrutiny and judgment. Will they rise above the rest and be crowned prime? <laughs> or will they fall short and be disgraced henceforth as a pixie? Who are we studying today? 
Orion the Aquarii. Step up, Orion. All right, let's load up the star shell and shoot straight into our character backgrounds. Hopefully, we still don't shit our suits. <laughs> With Orion, we might. <laughs> She's a crazy pilot. <laughs> All right. Orion Z. Aquarii is a blue. She was born a docker and worked on the docks of Phobos before rising through the ranks to eventually become a pilot on the flagship of the Ashlord named the Vanguard. It's on board the Vanguard that she meets Darrow after he has rocketed himself through the viewport and taken the ship for himself. He promotes her to captain of the ship and renames it the Pax. Orion successfully pilots the newly named Pax away from the pursuing forces of the Sovereign, cementing her status as a reliable and crafty ally to Darrow. She continues to fight with Darrow during the civil war between House Augustus and Sovereign. When Darrow is betrayed at the Triumph, she escapes to the asteroid belt with the help of Mustang. Uh, with the remainder of the fleet that's still loyal to Darrow. Once there, they are told to make trouble, and make trouble she does. Orion becomes quite the pirate and is known for keeping all the best loot. Once Darrow returns and Mustang decides to join him, she gives him Orion's cell number, and they get back in contact. cell number? (laughs) I think it was her pager. I was pretty sure that's how that worked. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Space cell phones. Um... Orion returns with the Pax and fights in the Battle of Ilium aboard the Persephone's Howl. Remember, she does not pilot the Pax because Darrow sacrifices it. Ten years later, after the initial fall of the Society, the war continues against Atalantia, Ah, Grimace, and the Society Remnant. Orion is taken prisoner by Atalantia on Mercury and tortured by the Fear Knight. Darrow rescues her from their clutches, but her psyche was permanently damaged due to the horrible torture she endured. Do you think it was pulls up butts? <laughs> I think it was like the rat to the face. Oh. That really I got, mean, it's worth asking. got on her nerves. <laughs> Darrow has her pilot a storm god to use against Atalantia's invading forces on Mercury. He makes her promise not to take the planet-altering storm god above primary horizon, which would cause mass civilian casualties. During the battle, Orion breaks her promise to Darrow and takes the machine well past primary horizon, resulting in the entire city of Tyche being drowned in a tidal wave. Uh, Darrow built in a failsafe switch in case Orion broke her promise, and he makes the extremely difficult decision to sever Orion's sink to the machine, resulting in the death of one of his closest friends. All the primary horizon stuff is very like cinematic to me. <laughs> like like the like the world shaking and they're like Boss, she's past primary horizon. And everyone's like <laughs> holding on and like blowing in the wind. That's all we were missing was like them watching it slowly tick up past primary horizon. Like on like <laughs> like a dial. Yeah. And it, the, the like ticker starts shaking. Yes. And there's a red section and it gets into the red and section. And it's bouncing in the red because it's like way past the max, you know? Yes. We should write movies. I know. We should. <laughs> and then the glass blows out and steam comes out. Because <laughs> <laughs> this is not the future. This is what happens on a train. <laughs> so, back to Orion. Seriously, what a great scene. So, Orion is unlike most other blues, as you all know, and she's also unlike most low colors because she's outspoken, she's sassy, bold, she's like super quippy. 
if that's a word. She does have the Marvel quippiness. The Marvel quippiness. The Avengers. <laughs> yes. She could quip. Uh, she's very casual around her superior superiors and around the higher colors and does not give them the respect they think they deserve. Mm-hmm. She's very confident about her abilities as a leader and as a pilot, and she has a bold, materialistic nature, a.k.a. all her loot, or all her goodies. Not my goodies. <laughs> my goodies. Uh, her head is bald, which blues are bald because of their plugins. Mm-hmm. So uh, she's covered with the digitats. Digitats? Digitats. I just have a normal human tat. <laughs> a regular tat. Not a digitat. I got an ink tat. <laughs> and those run down her neck and also her arms and hands. And they pulse when she is sunk with the ship. And when she's piloting, she is described in the books as having a deep olive complexion with a stout appearance and many equations and formulae are etched onto her skin. Super dope. She's she's all tatted up all over. Also, depending on how you choose to interpret the passage, there is the implication that she is a trans woman who transitioned prior to her introduction in the series. So, depending on how you read this passage, um, most fans think that Orion is a trans female, and the passages from the passage starts in Golden Sun with Severo. He's like, "What's your name, Blue?" And she's like, "Orion's the Aquarii." And he's like, "That's a boy's name. Cool, Severo. Real cool. <laughs> you just met this person." And she's like, "Is it? I hadn't noticed. My sect intended me to be a man. I surprised them." This was something I, I never caught when I was reading the books, but I like this analysis a lot. I do too. Yeah, it's really cool. I think it can be uh, interpreted however the reader wants, but I like that interpretation a lot. So that's the way I'm going to be Me thinking too. about it. It gives her forward. like a more uh, depth of a history. For sure. Okay, let's move on to some historical connections uh, with the name Orion. Guys, we have an amazing, incredible researcher so smart like (laughs) her name is heather (laughs) i told ben i started reading and i was like that's too smart for me (laughs) you you gotta read it (laughs) aaron and i like to make jokes we don't like to research and by we he means me (laughs) i did not farewell in history class unlike ben luckily heather does and she has Great historical knowledge, great knowledge of the classics, and she's got like super sharp analysis uh, where she's able to make great connections. So I'm going to read uh, this information that Heather provided us in regards to Orion and her uh, name and how it connects to classic mythology. So Orion was the best friend of the goddess Artemis in Greek mythology. Um, Artemis represented eternal maidenhood. So when she started to fall in love with the giant Orion, Orion was a giant, her twin brother Apollo stepped in and tricked Artemis into killing Orion. As a giant, Orion was walking in the sea. The distance was making him unrecognizable to Artemis on the shore. When Apollo challenged her to shoot what he knew to be Orion, Artemis easily struck her target, mortally wounding Orion. What Heather says here is, I think one could extrapolate that Daryl represents both Artemis and Apollo in his relationship with Orion. In Dark Age, he admits to himself that Orion is one of his best friends. Having overcome similar challenges in life, 
to ultimately conquer the worlds, and that she alone has never let him down. This absolute faith and love for Orion rings of Artemis's love for the mythic Orion. Yet at the same time, readers see the juxtaposition of Darrow's fear and doubt regarding what Orion has and will become. This dread that Orion will compromise the morals that set the rising apart from the society by destroying the people of Mercury echoes Apollo's fear that mythic Orion will compromise the very being of his sister by seducing her into wedlock. In each situation, Orion threatens the principle of something greater than the sum of the people involved, and the only way to preserve that principle is by eliminating Orion. It pains Apollo that killing Orion will deeply wound Artemis, but he still makes that choice, arguably to preserve the peace wrought by wars between titans and giants struggling for power. If Artemis failed her Olympian duty to uphold the virtues she promoted, it would have revealed a disconnect between the standards humans were held to and the standards set by the gods themselves. This hypocrisy could have driven other factions to attempt to seize power from the Olympians, having failed to walk the talk they so stressed to Greek society. Similarly, Darrow kills a part of himself, knowing that he must kill Orion to avoid becoming the enemy he now fights. But if he chose instead to let her destroy Mercury, the, hypocr the hypocrisy of the Republic would likely catalyze further uprising. The Solar War would continue, but the Republic would no longer have the moral high ground. It would mirror the society. In Greek mythology and Dark Age alike, the act of sacrificing Orion keeps the groups involved in their respective integrity, thereby preventing further bloodshed. Based on this, it seems clear that Orion Z. Aquarii was always destined to die and in dying to save the rising. The symbolism of the giant Orion being immortalized in the stars translates perfectly into Orion's immortal legend in space, which continues guiding oppressed peoples to follow in her footsteps, believe in the rising, defy the norms, and succeed long after death. Nice. I love that last part. That was great. Thank you, Heather. She's the best. I didn't know any of that. <laughs> You're not up on your Artemis and Apollo? It's weird. Um, no, I didn't know, first of all, that Orion was a giant or that he knew Artemis or any of that. <laughs> 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 I've seen, you know, the movie, <laughs> The Clash of the Titans. Oh, huh? So that's I don't think Orion <laughs> is in that. <laughs> that's where I stopped. Have you heard of Orion's belt? Yes. Boom. I think you're on the same page then. Okay. You basically know the whole story at that point. Um, is that the same Orion? Yeah. Was he wearing a belt? I think so. He must have been. Now I'm kind Heather. of now I'm kind of scared that's not Heather. Uh, <laughs> there can only be one Orion, right? Heather, let us know if Orion's belt <laughs> is the giant Orion's belt. It's got to be, because he's like a hunter, and yeah. So it's a um, constellation. It's a whole thing. I do like uh, Heather's connection that Orion was not only destined to die for a cause, essentially but um, to also be the symbolism of something right. in dying, yeah. in death, became a symbol. And I like that connection to our Orion, um, that she's immortalized, and now everyone can look to her legacy. Right. Yeah, I don't think it always comes through in the books, but Orion is a fucking legend in this She's got system. a statue. Yeah. 
and just think about how much of like a shiny example she is to the low colors in the solar system and just as a pillar of the rising for Darrow. So like the fact that she died and Darrow does touch on this a lot, but as a reader, sometimes it's easy to just gloss over that fact that he's just like, this is going to devastate my army. Yeah. Cause she's so, so important. Especially and if they knew that Darrow's the one who put her down for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and I do love that. What Heather said, like how she can live on and that her death uh, even though it's like super sad, extremely tough moment of that book, uh, that it it ultimately was worth something, and it inspired a huge change within Darrow, which we'll kind of talk about here coming up. Which brings us to our next segment. What is the legacy of this character? The motivations, strengths, weaknesses, struggles. I don't know. Let's talk about it all. Let's do it. So we know. Let's talk about the history of Orion first. Our the book Orion, yes. not the giant. <laughs> yeah, we're only bringing in Heather to talk about giant Orions. We're just going to stick to pilot His- Orion. History lesson over. Because <laughs> we don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> I think that was pretty evident once we started talking about <laughs> Orion's belt. <laughs> I don't wear belts, so, you know. So the history. Yes. The, the parrot queen... She comes from nothing. She's low color. Mm-hmm. Works her way up by working hard. She goes from being a docker to working on the vanguard. And we don't really know how, but she, probably through merit. And remember that she didn't go to any of like the fancy blue schools. She didn't go to midnight school. <laughs> she wasn't going to night school. She wasn't <laughs> at night school. <laughs> she just did it on her own. Yeah, she wasn't with a sect. Like she didn't come up through a sect or anything. She had to work for every single thing that she well, got. Well, she got kicked out of her sect, right? Right. So she, yeah, she's a hard worker. She's very, no pun intended, blue collar. Mm-hmm. Like by the sweat of her teeth, worked her way up. She um, took advantage of any small piece of opportunity she got and then Daryl gives her this huge mm-hmm. opening to be a leader and mm-hmm. she jumps all over it punches her way to the top <laughs> and then like shows them all that it was the right choice by becoming the legend that we just talked about right she shows immediately how competent she is and i love how she just seizes uh control in that moment because like think back to golden sun and when Daryl comes through that viewport it's like fucking chaos in there and all those blues, there's like blues getting smeared over the controls. <laughs> controls, and everybody's freaking out. Ragnar just showed up. Like that's scary. <laughs> He's got like razors stuck in him. Just walking around. He's offering stains. Like, are you a god? <laughs> Everybody is flipping out. But who's calm, cool, collected in that moment? It's Orion. She sees her opportunity. She sees something within Darrow, obviously, that she wants to follow and then immediately seizes upon it, blasts her whole back to Mars or whatever, you know? Yeah. And gets She's Darryl clearly ready for a revolution. Yep. She's like, fucking finally. Right. I've been prepping for this my whole life. And we see a lot of this within her just actual character and personality. Like we had kind of talked about, she talks back. She's bold in the face of high colors. She's calling Darrow boy, not Dominus. 
Um, she's unafraid. She knows. She looks people in the eye. Right. She's she like, knows, I dare you. She knows she's skilled. She's got confidence in herself. Like when she makes that statement to Daryl, she says, I can do this. Give me, just give me the chance. And uh, I just love that about her. She actually has a lot of Darrow in her, you know, like, and I think that's why they became such good friends. So, yeah, her and Darrow are outsiders. They're both low colors, mm-hmm. um, the lowest of low in some regards. Like, she's a low for a blue. He was the lowest of the reds. And the other blues don't even like her at this time. No, and can you imagine being synced up? To people who don't even like right. you. Right. I wonder if she can like hear their thoughts. She's like, and they're oh, like, Ryan's talk- a real bitch. They're like talking shit on her, but <laughs> yeah. they, they can't like hide it. They can't <laughs> do like a private message. <laughs> yeah, like in computer code that syncs going through their heads and <laughs> she's like, I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> those blues, those blues probably were really bitchy to each other. But they control their emotions, so maybe mm. not. Orion's the one talking shit on all of them to their faces. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she's definitely an outsider, doesn't fit in with the other blues, and uh, she really finds her home in this group of misfits mm-hmm. in The Rising. Right. Um, and not just misfits, but people who are passionate about being treated equally and uh, basically not being treated like garbage and smeared on the right. controls because she knows her worth and she is like very motivated to prove it and you can see that she's been trying to do that her entire life but she was stuck inside the system that wouldn't let her free you know wouldn't let her be herself wouldn't let her be the best that she could be and because of Daryl coming along uh, she's able to embrace all of that and then really just seize all this opportunity herself she really does a lot of it herself and you can tell obviously she trusts herself Because she's looking at these other blues, and she's like, don't trust these pixies. They're going to get you killed. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm your only chance. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So she's so so confident in her skills, even though she hasn't been, like, the lead blue on a ship before. Right. Uh, And she's just clearly brilliant as well. She's, like, a brilliant tactician, and we find some of that out later on. So let's talk about, now that we know who Orion was, how does she change throughout the story? So she doesn't have a whole lot of moments, actually. It's kind of crazy how big of a character she is and how much of an impact she has, but she really doesn't have a whole lot of screen time. Well, we know uh, Pierce, and we know if you have a nice, quiet moment with Darrow, then you're probably going to die. <laughs> and that happened. Yep. So, yeah, she's tortured by the Fear Knight. And she. I think the even bigger than the torture by the Fear Knight is all of those pilots that she was synced up with that she lost when she was attacked by Atalantia over Mercury. The ghosts in the machine. Right. Um, I think those are just like really what's haunting her the most. The torture, I'm sure, was part of that. But like, I think it's losing those actual pilots and her deep, deep connection and motherly attitude towards those pilots that... Um, is really what's torturing her the most. Definitely. Yep. Because she was responsible for all their lives, but, you know, didn't have the help that she needed. Thanks, Harnassus. <laughs> Harnassus. <laughs> I just came up with that. Harnassus. <laughs> <laughs> My insults Ooh. are on point. Yeah. Orion would be proud of me. Adults. I love it. So um, Orion provides Darrow with a window 
to his future mm-hmm. um, after she has changed into what he can become if he were to forget himself and his ideals that have uh, kept him going and, and pure, quote unquote, this whole time, <laughs> pure in his purpose for the revolution, not right. necessarily his actions. So he's seeing like, oh, I can't lose sight of what really matters or else I'm going to become bitter and revengeful mm-hmm. against the people that I'm fighting for. Right. He's going to basically become what he hates so much. And the whole reason he's fighting the society in the first place is just going to be two societies fighting it if he doesn't remember, you know, why he's here in the first place. Um, so he kind of sees his enemies within her. She provides that window for him. She doesn't think that Mercurians are worth saving. And she basically says that to Darrow. She's like, they're just rats. Yeah, they <laughs> fucking suck. Let's kill them all. Let's and kill them all. like, no, maybe. Maybe, <laughs> maybe not. Like, I see what you're saying. Thank you for bringing this proposal to my attention. We're going to file it away for now, but we'll come back to it. Yep. This change in her psyche, this change in her character um, brought on really by the deaths of her pilots and soldiers is ultimately what leads to her death. Yeah. She would still be with us otherwise. So Well, Darrow shouldn't have given her control of the we, storm gods after this conversation. Right, that was probably a bad decision, but he has to give it to his best pilot. I and mean, nobody else can handle the stink. We don't uh, know we don't know everyone. Yeah. I mean, this question uh that Darrow faces with Orion is really his dilemma throughout all of Dark Age. It's kind of place that he finds himself you know her death has this huge impact on him as a character he basically sees you know what he could have become a genocidal kind of maniac you know he could have just wiped out everyone on mercury um, but in killing her he makes a sacrifice an ultimate sacrifice and he kind of saves his heart and really like the heart of his army at the same time you know yes they have to be better than their enemies and show the solar system that there is actually something out there that's better than the society. Um, without Orion, I'm not sure that Darrow ever gets there. And also, though, Orion puts a big dent in Darrow's reputation with all the Mercurians because they all think Darrow purposefully is drowning and killing all these people. And really, Alexander saving the whole city like kind of patches that with, like, you know, a wet band-aid. That is a good point. It's like kind of a double-edged sword because Daryl gets blamed for it. But at the same time, it really does change Daryl's heart for a lot of it. I thought you were going to say the paradigm, and I was like, definitely. <laughs> it does change the paradigm it, of Daryl's heart. And the paradigm of the outcome of the <laughs> battles on right. Mercury. Well, I want to know is like, does do you think Daryl even ultimately escapes Mercury if... Orion doesn't die. Like, I think if she's still alive, he decides to make his, like, last stand there on Mercury and ends up sacrificing himself. And Possibly, yeah. Doesn't, st- doesn't actually leave the planet, you know? I think he's going total war at that point. And, I mean, and if she hadn't, like, forced the hand of Darrow, then um, the enemy would have been able to land more ships and more reinforcements. And like we see, Daryl barely makes it out by the, the skin of his teeth. Right. And so if, if Orion hadn't killed so many people, Daryl probably would have died. True. 
Because there'd be way more reinforcements for Lysander. Yeah, she did. So even though she didn't do the right thing, <laughs> it turned out good for us as fans of Darrow. Right. It is one of those super complicated things and acts that is just like uh, so fraught. It's hard to figure out yeah, like how what many the right decision was in that moment. How many innocent lives are too many yeah. to like you know, win the war. Right. The right answer would be zero or none. You no innocent life is worth right. winning the war. However That's not the nature of war. And Darrow's already killed <laughs> <Yeah>. so <laughs> many innocent people. <laughs> so it's not like Orion's standing guilty amongst all these angels. Right. So an a complicated, difficult legacy for Orion, but a very extremely interesting one. So if you guys have any thoughts on her legacy Feel free to call in. Give us a ring. Or send an email to howlerpod at gmail.com. Let's move on to our next section, which is where are they now? Dead. And where do they go from here? Well, she's dead. Uh, <laughs> so she's not she going She has anywhere. passed from this realm <laughs> into her belt in the sky. <laughs> she's now wearing a pirate belt. No predictions for Orion. Sorry, Orion. Um, that takes us on to... Our Prime Five. The Prime Five's back. Which is our top five moments from this character. So starting off, obviously, is her intro into our lives when she meets Darrow and Severo on the Vanguard, which will become the Pax. And she's a total badass. She punches uh, Pelis, Pelis, one of the other blues, Mm -hmm. in the face and is mean to him. Great. <laughs> um, and she says to Darrow, looking him right in the eye, like, fucking try me. She says, they're full of batshit, Dominus. She taps a slender finger against her temple. I am not full of batshit. She smiles and nods to the displays where the other torch ships creep closer. And you're running out of time. Mm-hmm. She's like, just fucking pick me and let's go. Yeah. We got to get out of here. And uh, this also includes like this intro includes our quote from the beginning there about her. Like, Give me the command boy. And she's calling him boy and Lord boy. Yeah. Lord boy. Which is just <laughs> great. <laughs> <laughs> start calling people, people Lord boy. <laughs> Pytho's got some of that same sassiness. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Maybe they're related. Maybe blues. Yeah. Maybe blues are just kind of sassy. I don't think most blues have any it That's personality. That's right, because like Darrow says, like blues can be sarcastic. <laughs> yeah. He's like, what? <laughs> to Orion. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, he just thinks that, I think, about her because she like says something sarcastic back it's, to him. And no, he's it's like, when, she, isn't it when she's like, oh, I've never heard that before, that right. my name's a boy's name. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, something like he that. says to himself, he's like, blues can be sarcastic. Crazy. <laughs> All right, next time on the Prime 5 list. Is when she asks for her parrot. I mean, this is just extremely endearing moment. And our our pirate queen here. Um, she's Daryl calls her on the cell phone and she says, I knew I never should have answered your call. I was rather enjoying being a pirate. He says, I can tell. I said, uh, your stateroom's gaudy enough to make a silver blush. Uh, the PAX has been her home for the last year and a half. She took over my old quarters and filled it right up with the booty of her raids rugs from venus paintings from private gold collections i found a titian jammed behind a bookcase she says what can i say i like pretty things and he says well pull this off today and i'll find you a parrot for your shoulder how about that orion says ah palis told you i was looking for one good man palis 
who is the person that, that she punched? That she punched, <laughs> by the way. I love that she kept them around. She <laughs> says, "Damn hard to find parrots when you can't dock planet side anywhere. We found a hawk, a dove, an owl, but no parrot. If you make it a red one, I'll personally shoot a hole in Antonia Osservus Julia's bridge. Red parrot it is, I say. Excellent. She never got her parrot. I think she did get the parrot. Wait, she did. Ultimately, she got the statue, and the statue does have her with the parrot. We'll talk about that actually so next. Right now, that takes us to our next item our on the Prime Five. Our list. next item on the Prime Five <laughs> is that she has a statue. Not only a statue, but this is when Lyria is wandering around before she gets picked up by Ephraim. Mm-hmm. And she's admiring the statue of Orion mm-hmm. with the parrot. Yes. So she does have her parrot in that statue. And she has a legacy big enough to be in Hyperion with her statue. Like we had kind of touched on earlier, it's just you have to remember how how big of a figure Orion actually was within this universe. Because I don't think that's really stressed enough. Like she is a giant among men, especially for a low color. Especially among blues. Right. And then, yeah, she's sacred to the blues, sacred to the other low colors. Um, I mean, she has risen so far up in a world that never allows for this type of thing. Um, so get your statue, she's girl. Yeah. She's you a get hero, that statue. true hero of the rising until she... Until she kills everyone. <laughs> okay, we'll talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, another one of the prime five is after she is saved by Darrow and their uh, kind of heart-to-heart conversation. And while she's... They're flying up to the storm god. Yeah. She's writing uh She's writing her equations, equations and frost. Her trigonometry. And Darrow's <laughs> like, oh, that's impressive. <laughs> right. While this is... A bittersweet moment. Um, we do kind of see the tenderness between her and Darrow, even though she's broken and, and bitter and ready to kill everybody. You can tell that they still love each other and care about each other, but she just can't bring herself back to who she was before right. horrible torture and killing of all her friends. Incapable, yeah. I do love that in this moment that like Darrow realizes how she's one of his best friends and just like how close he is to her and how much he cares about her. It's just a really touching tender moment. And it's tough to be, to like watch Orion do this because we all love her so much and we know that Darrow does, but it's just like she's not doing the things that you want her to do, you know? So it's just makes it very difficult. And then when she says, as a rat's teeth, you're are like, you sharp? Yeah. You're like, yeah, and then you're like, oh, this <laughs> is not, not a good <laughs> answer. Darrow, maybe you should reconsider because <laughs> yeah. that's not the answer that we wanted. Also in that moment, think about just like the juxtaposition of him like snapping back at her like, you know, Imperator. Like, like come em- on. Imperator, like you're supposed to be listening to me. Like, get it together. Yeah, and like are you going to be like, yes, sir? And she's like, he would have taken disrespect from her at any time just because they're like pals like that, you know. He'd been totally okay with it, but you can see how much the relationship has changed. Yeah, now he's like, actually, I can't trust her. I need her to be a soldier, right? not just my friend. And it's just, that's a difficult moment. It's interesting to see Daryl just wrestling with that and how, how difficult of a time. It's kind of touching just how much he cares about Orion. Next up on the Prime 5, 
the storm gods. <laughs> I mean, typically I don't like to include like mass genocide in my favorite moments for a character, but this was it pretty was cool. Pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> and by cool, we mean like epic and like exciting <laughs> yeah. and like, uh, like literally planet shattering. Right. Yeah, she's like flying. Not like cool as in like morally. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. We disagree. But it is pretty cool that she's like piloting this last storm god. And this ancient technology, basically. Right. I mean, it's been buried since Mercury was terraformed. Yep. And she's like the only person that can do it, can handle it, uh, handle the power. Uh, but she lets it take over. Obviously, righteous. <laughs> her righteous anger becomes uh, real storms and hurricanes. Of, <laughs> I was thinking of Finding Nemo when the turtle they're flying through the 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 turtle speedy waves. Mm-hmm. He's like righteous. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> righteous. Righteous. <laughs> All right, uh, that's yeah. this week's Prime Five. Good job, Orion, most of the time. Most of the time. And that takes us to our segment, Prime or Pixie. Where we decide if this character survived the Hallerpod passage of in-depth scrutiny and judgment. Let's do a case four, Orion. I'll take that one. (laughs) (laughs) She's witty. Swashbuckling pirate lady. Arg. Arg. She's <laughs> the most formidable imperator in Darrow's entire navy, mm. and probably against any of these pixie golds. She's really like the only one of Darrow's imperators that can stand up to gold commanders in space. Like she won't yeah. get outmaneuvered. She doesn't need orders. She's doing it all herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, she rose from nothing by her own hard work. And her will to succeed and her personality. Mm-hmm. She's a pillar of the rising. She's got a statue. Mm-hmm. She's beloved by low and high colors alike. Prime. <laughs> I'll make the case against. Um, Don't I'll, call her Pixie. I'll kill you. <laughs> I'll just start with she committed genocide on an entire planet of people that she was mad at. That's where I'm going to step That's in. That's your at. whole point? That's my whole point. The case against is she committed genocide on an entire planet of people she was really mad at. That's kind of a... That's kind of like a pixie move, would you say? It was kind of like not a pixie move. It's not a pixie move at all, (laughs) though. It's more like an iron gold move. So Um, I'm going to vote prime. I'm also going to vote prime. Two primes. Two primes makes a prime. Good job, Orion. You might not be around to hear it, but I'm looking at your belt tonight, and I'm going to say, you're prime. (laughs) She has survived our passage. Orion is prime. Okay, so normally, this is where we would bring in the Howler mailbag and voicemail, but this season, we want to change things up a little bit with the Howler mailbag and the voicemail. Those arguments that Aaron and I just made, we want you guys to make those arguments. Yeah, Primer Pixie. Send it in. Send it in. So next week's characters are Sefi and Ragnar. So if you have an argument 
for why Sephir Ragnar is prime, call in or email us at howardpod.gmail.com. Or if you think they're a pixie, which I don't know how you could, but if you if you if somebody well, don't sway their hand with your own judgment. Sefi could easily be called she a could pixie. Be, she could be. She a stole pixie. children. <laughs> but if somebody wants to like write in and tell me that Ragnar is a pixie, please do. Actually, I kind of want to read that. Yeah, please <laughs> try me. I'll send Orion's ghost but after you. Normally, we would like to play your guys' arguments for for or against characters or why you love them so much. Um, so each week, that's what we'll try to be playing in the Howler Mailbag and Howler mail Voicemail portion of the podcast. Got it? I got it. All right. You know what it's time for? What are we into this week? I'll go first. I'm into a book series. First of all, <laughs> I still have not finished the Lightbringer series, which I already recommended, but I'm halfway through the final book. Which, by the way, is 152 chapters. So that's why it's taking me a while because I can't listen at work. Seems like a pixie excuse. <laughs> but um, I didn't say it. You did. I'm gonna re. Um, can I? First off, I want to reiterate that the Lightbringer series is fucking amazing. It's by Brent Weeks. Um, there's a whole other Lightbringer community, kind of like the Red Rising community on Facebook and. Uh, there's all these super fans and memes and stuff. Oh, nice. So like, I'm not saying leave, <laughs> like <laughs> stay with us here. But also if you want more of that, the Lightbringer books and Brent Week's other series as well. That's It's a great way to kind of get into all Is that. there a Lightbringer pod? There is not. So <laughs> if we run out of things to do <laughs> on this side. <laughs> those, it sounds like with those books, 150 chapters, we would never run out. We would never run out. There's only five books that are out. <laughs> So um, what I'm into this week, though, since I've already uh, suggested that, is a book series that I read before Red Rising, which is called Codex Alera. It's uh, by Jim Butcher, and there are six books, and um, it's a very, like, memorable series, especially in terms of, like, the characters really becoming, like, uh, close to your heart. Like, I still think about... Uh, Tavi and the characters <laughs> and like how they're doing now. <laughs> like they're my friends. Do you think they're doing okay? Um, I don't, it's been a while. <laughs> I, I should, I should reread it. But basically it's about a young boy named Tavi in the realm of Alara. And uh, it goes through his whole coming of age, um, a little Harry Potter-esque, like not magic, but it's, it's furies or elemental forces so it's very much fantasy, um, but then Tavi has none, and it's about his kind of journey, and I'm not going to give any spoilers, but it starts with uh, the first book, Furies of Calderon. Very good. What are you into this week, Ben? I am into a book called Point B by Drew McGarry. Um, Drew is great author. Um, this is his newest book. It is a teleportation love story. It seems a little YA-ish because the protagonist is like a 17-year-old girl. Um, but the themes are very uh, adult. And it has a lot of like modern day, modern world themes to it. Like it deals a lot kind of like commentary on immigration. Um, there's kind of an alt-rightish type group 
um, that are the bad guys. Obviously, it has a lot to do with technology since in this book, the characters are able to teleport to any place on the planet. Um, and there's kind of like a privacy angle worked in there where like these big conglomerate technology companies are tracking people and taking all their information and that type of thing. So kind of has a lot of like prescient themes to today's world. Uh, but um, in a fun kind of sci-fi teleportation, hopping all over the world um, with a good love story. Do you, you go forward and backwards in time? No, just you can just go just to... same time. Same time, but you just go to anywhere in the world. Like I could teleport home right now. Like st- more like Star Trek teleportation? Yes. Less like hot tub time machine? Yeah, I think that's time travel. Oh, I see. And teleportation is just <laughs> teleportation. <laughs> I'm just clarifying <laughs> for the listeners. <laughs> I obviously... But you basically have like... It's set in like 2030 and you have like a cell phone that teleports you anywhere in the world. And c- you can also call Orion on her cell phone. You could call Orion if you want to. But anyway, it's really good. Drew is a great author. Drew McGarry. Um, if you want some other stuff from him, that's really good. The Postmortal and The Hike are two of my favorite books that I've read in the last few years as well. Are all three novels... Yes, but they're all pretty short. Point B is a real quick read. See, this is this is why you get through more books than I do. It's because I exclusively exclusively pick books that have minimum five books. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Yeah, I don't really. Well, I, I get don't, sad when yeah. books are over, so I don't want to like keep mm. saying goodbye to, to everybody. Book. You know. Just move on to that next book. You know. I'm in the middle of it. <laughs> I also read like two books at a time. Oh. Yeah. I got focused. Fuck us. Okay. That's Point B by Drew McGarry and Codex Alera series by Jim Butcher. All right. What's coming up next week on Howler Pod? Sefi the Quiet and He Who Speaks in Bold, Ragnar Valaris. Double character study episode. Will they be prime or pixies? Will they be siblings? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) 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 Who's their father? (laughs) Probably not that piece of shit. I hope not. (sighs) Sorry. That's next week. (gasps) That was a preview. Yeah. (laughs) Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy. Email us. Howler Q&A. And don't forget to tell us if Sefi and Ragnar are respectively Primer Pixie. That's at howlerpod at gmail.com or on the voicemail at 1-800-516-1540. Also, if you want to call in about anything else, please do. We love to hear your yeah, voices. Yeah, if you want to call in and talk about Orion, I guess we'll allow it. You guess. <laughs> you can definitely talk about Orion and what you think of her pirate belt, <laughs> which is why the stars are named after Orion's the Aquarii. Uh, you can find links to everything I just said at howlerpod.com. And uh, it's not too late. Tell a friend about the books and the podcast. We still have another book. So this is going to go on for at least another year. <laughs> We've st- got a plan for like, what, 20 more episodes right now? Yeah, but you're stuck with us no matter what. Yeah. And there's going to be a TV show. Fingers crossed. He doesn't know anything. We don't know anything, but there will be. So I know everything. Okay. <laughs> Please rate and review us. Five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, 
we will sync you up to a storm god and then pull the plug. That seems mean, but I'll do it. <laughs> and thank you very, very, very much to Heather, our very smart, wonderful researcher, for all her hard work um, in looking up Orion's interesting history and future thanks for all the work she's going to do for us. <laughs> That's called peer pressure. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Hallers. Omnisphere lupus. Oh. Oh.